All right. They love church so much, they don't even want to leave. That's great. Uh, (laughs) As they're making their way out, will you turn with me to chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes? It's on page 1048 in the blue pew Bibles. And we are, near, we are at the end of our study of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Don began the first part of chapter 12, and we're going to read the last few verses, starting in verse 9, the conclusion of the matter. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. I want you to recall, we've been, we've been studying the book of Ecclesiastes throughout the summer, and so you've heard quite a lot about it. If you recall back to the very beginning of the book, what the purpose of the writing is. Why is Solomon, the, the key author here, the king of Israel, why is he writing this book? And it is because he has made a careful investigation of how the world works, and he has sought to seek out what is the truth, what is wisdom, so that he can impart it to other people. His goal is imparting knowledge, and you catch that at the beginning of this verse here. He not only was wise himself, but he imparted that knowledge to other people. So Solomon had a unique gift, and some of you are probably familiar with the story, but maybe not everyone. In 1 Kings chapter 3, you can go back and and read about this. When Solomon first became king, he was David, King David's son, and he was a young man, and God came to Solomon in a dream and said, because of your father David, I'm going I'm to essentially grant you a wish. I'm going to give you what you ask for. And what Solomon asked for was wisdom. Here's what he said. 1 Kings 3, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Solomon asks for discretion, for wisdom to know how to discern what is true and what is right and what is good. And God grants that wish. And so Solomon carried with him a responsibility because he had wisdom and the knowledge to give it to other people. So what Solomon is doing in Ecclesiastes and the book of Proverbs and other places in wisdom literature in Scripture is he's living up to or living into the responsibility that he had been given because he had been given this wisdom that was beyond what other people had. And so Um, He's attending to that responsibility, and so it says he was very careful about choosing the words rightly, and the things that he wrote, the things that we're putting here for you to read and understand, these things are upright and true. They're, They're good and they're true. And I was reminded, surprisingly, of our church's book of order. 
by this. So I'm probably the only uh, Presbyterian pastor who's referring to the Book of Order in worship this morning. Um, But chapter 3, the principles of church government and order. And I want to read a section of this because I think it is so um, helpful and on point and it's related to what we're talking about today. So this is talking about the way that the church is set up and the importance of truth. It says that truth is in order to goodness and the great touchstone of truth, its tendency to promote holiness. So truth promotes righteousness. According to our Savior's rule, by their fruits you shall know them. And no opinion can either be more pernicious or more absurd than that which brings truth and falsehood upon a level and represents it as of no consequence what a man's opinions are. On the contrary, we are persuaded that there is an inseparable connection between faith and practice, truth and duty. Otherwise, it would be of no consequence either to discover truth or to embrace it. This is the best part of the Book of Order, okay? The rest of it, not so great. No, just kidding. Not as exciting. Truth matters. Truth affects the way that we live our lives. What we believe to be true impacts the way that we behave internally and toward other people. And so the, the, the Proverbs and the Book of Ecclesiastes are here so that we can have this truth. So let's be attentive to what we know that God has asked of us, because I think that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, who have been given this word, who have been given these truths, who are sitting in a room every week hearing what the truth is, we bear the same kind of responsibility that Solomon himself bears, because we know what the truth is. We ought to live it and proclaim it to other people. So I think there's a call here for Solomon to display and and share knowledge, but there's a call to us to be responsible to that knowledge as well. So let me pray to that end right now as we come to the Word. Lord, thank you for your Word and the way that it instructs, and we pray uh, that today that you would help us to understand it, that your Spirit would give us insight, give us knowledge, give us wisdom and discretion as Solomon had. We pray that we would understand the truth and that we would learn how to live by it according to your word. So thank you for all these things, and pray that you'd be with us as we continue our study. Amen. Okay, verse 11 says that the words of the wise are like goads. Okay, probably a few people in the room like me might be wondering, what in the world is a goad, right? What's a goad? So a goad is essentially like a cattle prod. It's, it's a pointed stick that was used to move livestock from one place to another, okay? Now you have the image of what a goad is, right? So it says the word of God is like a goad. Is a goad comfortable for the cattle? No, it's annoying at best, painful at worst. Does it work? We've got some farmers here. Sometimes it works. It certainly works better than nothing, right? So the word of God is like a, like a prod, like a, like a prick, to move us into a direction that we don't naturally want to go. Cows don't want to go where you want them to go all the time. So a goad, as the Word of God, moves people who don't always naturally want to go the direction they ought to go towards something. All right, so the Word of God is a goad. It also says the Word of God, or the collected sayings of wisdom, 
are like firmly embedded nails. Okay, this one's probably more familiar. If you've ever been working in any kind of carpentry or putting something together, that, that's a satisfying feeling, right? When there's a nail and you're trying to attach two pieces of wood, thump, thump, boom, and it goes in and, and firmly embeds and holds fast those two pieces of wood together. Isn't any carpenters here? Isn't that satisfying when that happens? You know, the Word of God is like that as well. There's a, there's a, a firmness and a security to knowing what the truth is that you can build your life upon, that's, that's solid, that's, that's something that's not going to pull apart, it's going to hold fast, all right? So, the words of wisdom move people to action, and they're something that you can, that can hold your life securely, that you can build your life upon. Uh, it has, the, and there's this interesting part after that about more books and knowledge, okay? So, after saying how important wisdom is, does it seem odd that Solomon would then say, beware of the writing of too many books, and beware of too much study, right? Isn't study and, and learning a good thing? I mean, isn't more knowledge, more books a good idea? And I think that what Solomon is getting at here is everything that is written down is not necessarily true. Just because something has been published does not make it necessarily right. And now we all are sort of nod our heads and say, yeah, you know, you go on the internet and, you know, if it's on the internet, then, the, then it's true, right? Some people would say that. No, of course not. If it, there's so, many, so much writing that's out there now. Think about this. Solomon thought there were too many books. How many books were there when Solomon, I mean, when he says books, we're talking about scrolls, right, that are handwritten. And if you want to make a copy of it that some, you can give to somebody else, you have to write the whole thing down again. What would, what would Solomon, so if he thought that there, were too, there was too much written, too many books being written then, what would Solomon think of Amazon? <laughs> right? So just because something is written down does not necessarily make it true. And just because someone has studied a lot doesn't necessarily mean that they are wise. Just because someone has a PhD does not necessarily mean that they have wisdom and discretion and understand truth. Because you have to pay attention to the, what's the source of that, of that knowledge. Is it actually true? Right? And someone who has not gone to, you know, someone who has not graduated from college or gotten necessarily higher education, that does not mean that that person is not wise. Because once again, what will you do with the knowledge? Where are you going for the knowledge that you have? Is the source truth? Because he says that all truth comes from one shepherd is the source. That ultimately, true wisdom comes from God. There are other kinds of wisdom in the world. And so you have to be very careful when you're thinking about where are you getting the information that you're gleaning to be able to make decisions in life? Where is that source of truth coming from? Because you might find that you climb this ladder of knowledge to try to get to what the truth is, and all along it's been leaning up against the wrong building. It could be leaning up against a building that is not the truth, right? So there is false truth in the world. There are ideas or ways of living that people proclaim as true that are not necessarily. And Coleman, I'm, I apologize for not giving you a chance to talk yet. No. What are, can you think of some 
places or ways that in the world there is truth that's taught that's not actually true? Sure. Um, I initially think of the news, mm. uh, television, Facebook, Twitter. Mm. We agreed not to name any uh, news sources overtly. No but, political parties. Yes. Uh, you know, everything, not everything, lots of stuff on the internet. It's, it is a lot of false teaching out there. I mean, yeah. just look at some of the political ads that you see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> some of the stuff being taught in our schools. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are so many different voices out there. How do you know which ones ought, you ought to listen to? I experienced this on a more personal level. Um, in, in high school, I had a coach. Uh, I was a wrestler. Uh, and the coach taught us how to cheat. So as part of the practice, it was, here's some things you can do that the ref won't notice that you can get away with. And as long as you can get away with it, then it's okay. Now, you, everybody shakes their head, but that is a truth that is taught in the world, sometimes proclaimed overtly, that, hey, as long as what you're doing doesn't hurt anybody directly and you don't get caught doing it, you can get away with it, then it's okay. Ch cheating on your taxes, cheating on a test, um, looking at things that you know are inappropriate. Well, as long as it's not hurting anybody else, then it doesn't matter. That is a falsehood. It is simply not true because there is something called integrity. And the, the, the scripture teaches that it is found in the book of Proverbs, in the book of Ecclesiastes, that who you are internally, your heart, your soul, even if no one else sees it besides you, guess who does see it? God. God sees and knows, and you see and know. And so when you live in a way that you know you ought not to live just because you can get away with it, it does damage internally to your heart, to your soul. Your, your integrity is pulled down. Does that make sense? So uh, when he gets to the conclusion of the matter... And he talks about this idea of fearing God and, um, and obeying his commandments. It matter, truth matters, and the way we live in response to truth matters too. So if you turn to verse 13, Solomon says, Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. So two things are Solomon's summary statement of what it means to, to have wisdom. And the first one is to fear God. We spent a good bit of time uh, a couple years ago looking at the first few chapters of the book of Proverbs where it talked quite a lot about what it means to fear God. And I'll just recall that to you. It's fearing God not in the sense of dread or being afraid. It's fearing God in the sense of understanding that God is God, Right? God is the creator of the universe who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. God is infinite, knowing that that is who God is, and I am not that, right? And so I, I don't dread God or not afraid in a horror kind of way. I just know who I am, and I know my place in this relationship. And so my fear of God is simply because God is God, and I am not. What do you think about the fear of God? Have you thought about that? Yeah, to me, concept? fear of God is just being in awe mm. of God. Just everything he's created, uh, everything he's done. And yes, fearing him mm -hmm. and loving him and respecting him and knowing that um, I'm but a mere pimple on the 
yeah. universe of everything that he's created. Yeah, it's a, a sense of submission to the reality of God's holiness and the fact that I am not, that I fall short of, of who God is. So, fear, of, and it says in Proverbs, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So, understanding that relationship that God is the one who determines what truth is, and I'm not the one who determines th- what truth is. That's the starting point for having wisdom in the world. And then the second part of it, keeping his commandments, flows from that. So the commandments of God, when it says fear God and keep his commandments, um, God doesn't give us commandments. God doesn't give us ways to live as a test to see if we can do it and put really hard ones there because I want to see them mess up. That's, the commandments of God are not there as, as a test of us to see if we're good enough. The commandments of God are the way that you ought to live your life because it is the best way to live. They're a, it's like a roadmap for what wholeness looks like in life. If you want to live your life in response to God, if you want to live your life in holiness and righteousness and wisdom, then here are the ways that you go about doing that. The responsibility of mankind is to live fully into the life that we have been given. So when, when Solomon talks about the duty of mankind, right, he says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of mankind. It is the responsibility because this is who we have been made to be, to live fully into the life that God has called us to, to the best of our ability. There are unalterable realities to the way that the world has been created. There are things that are simply true. God is God, and I am not. There is a there is a right path and there is a wrong path. There is a way to live that blesses other people and yourself, and there's a way to live that is foolish and does damage to other people and to yourself. And we, as those who have been given the Word of God, have a responsibility, a duty, to live fully into the truth that we have known. And in addition to that, there are real consequences when we don't. So, the final verse of the book of Ecclesiastes, you know that Ecclesiastes has to end on a dark note, right? (laughs) For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. God knows the heart. God knows what's inside of us, both the good and the ugly. And when, when Solomon talks throughout the book about the idea of meaninglessness, that he's done all these things and searched out, and everything living in this world is meaningless, like a chasing the wind, he says. And he concludes the matter with, look, I don't know everything about how the world works. I don't know everything. But what I do know is that to fear God and to keep his commandments is the only way to live into the fullness of what life actually is. If you reach the end of your life and you don't know the God who brings judgment on the way that you've lived, if you have not fostered that relationship, then what have you been living for all along? That's what he's talking about, meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. If you don't know God, if you have not searched out the one who created all of this and gave you life life in the first place, what does it matter? So the point of all of this is that we who have been given this knowledge ought to seek to grow in wisdom. What are steps, what are the ways that we can take to grow in wisdom as we walk through the world? Um, Direct steps, reading God's Word, Mm -hmm. 
Um, I would start with reading the Psalms and reading the Proverbs. Mm -hmm. uh, Greenwich has a great little reading plan where you can knock it out in a month, mm -hmm. where you read five Psalms and one Proverb every day. Yep. Uh, I've done that for many years, yep. and it certainly worked for me. If you go to our, uh, I'll just follow up on that. If you go to our um, website on the prayer page, there's a very simple guide for how you can go about doing that. And if that seems overwhelming, start with one. You know, start read one psalm or one proverb a day and begin working with it. Go back and read through the book of Ecclesiastes and some of the wisdom that's found there. The starting place is reading the word. Um, go to the New Testament and read what Jesus said in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What, what was when Jesus taught and he used the Old Testament in his teaching in the New. What did he teach was the way that you ought to live? Sorry, what else? Um, no, exactly. Um, I really like the way Solomon wrapped everything up in Ecclesiastes. It was almost like, okay, look, let me lay this out for you. Right. Um, I wrote the Proverbs. That's how you do it. Psalms are great, Dad wrote those. But he must have been at the end of his life, I think, when he was writing Ecclesiastes. And it's like, let me just break it down for you. Fear the Lord, keep his commandments. By his commandments, I have to believe that's the Ten Commandments. Mm. And know that everything you do in this life is going to be judged. And everything else is meaningless. Yeah. Chasing of the wind. Because if you don't have God, if you're not, if you don't put God first in your life, everything else in your life is meaningless. And yeah. you need to do that today. You need to do that right now. Yeah, this relationship with God is the starting point for building a life of wisdom. And when you do that, it actually gives meaning to what would have been meaningless, right? So when you have that straight, when you know that there's life in full now and a life that is to come, and you foster that relationship, then it begins to bring even more meaning to the relationships and the work and the activities that you do. So throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, there are points of light where it says, hey, enjoy life as it's been given to you, right? There's an enjoyment that comes from understanding that I live in relationship with God and I'm seeking to follow after the one who has given me life and the one who offers mercy when I do things that are wrong, right? So uh, we mentioned studying the Bible. Uh, you know, find a Bible study um, to learn more. We have some here at the church. There are many other churches and, and community groups that do Bible study. Encourage you to begin reading the Bible with other people, especially if you don't know where to begin. Um, Don's not here, so, so this is, he didn't ask me to do this, but Don does a daily study called the Basement Academy. It's on our website. Um, there's information about it in the bulletin as well. Um, every day is, is there's teaching from Scripture to help us understand the way to live, and he's done, since the beginning of COVID, nearly every weekday, so there's a lot of content there. Great um, studies, uh, different books of the Bible. Uh, there's a whole theology series that gets at the different aspects of, of what the Bible teaches, so we just commend that resource to you. Um, I would also say, um, and Coleman, I think you'd agree with me on this, find wise people in your life. So, if you don't feel like you know where to start, find somebody who does have their ladder leaning up against the right building, right? Who does understand truth and seems to be living life in a direction where they're in relationship with God. Find somebody wise that you can be in relationship with to help you learn and grow. Absolutely. And, and then the last thing I'd say is, is to live what you already know to be true, right? So we may not feel that we have all of the answers, right? We may not feel that we fully understand everything that is right, but there are things that you know 
to be true where you are falling short. There are, I know, I'll speak for myself. There are points of folly in my life that I'm aware of, right? There are places where I know I am angry or places where I know I misprioritize, right? Folly, there, Eric, what's, what's folly? Foolishness, foolishness. foolishness. The, I know the good I ought to do and I don't do it, or I know I shouldn't do something and I still go down that road, right? Does everybody, can you nod your head if you have those places in your life? I'm looking to see anybody anybody shaking their head. (laughs) You know the places in your life where there is truth and you're not living fully into it, right? That's your starting point. Find those places and begin to live more fully into the life that God has called you to. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for your word once again and the way that it teaches for the wisdom of Solomon. Uh, He was not perfect. Uh, In fact, uh, his life was just as broken and dark as uh, our lives are as well. Uh, but you gave him wisdom and imparted it to us beyond what he had on his own ability. And in the same way, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, empower us, and teach your wisdom to us that we might live our lives to glorify you uh, because of this relationship that we have with you, but also to bless other people in our lives, that um, the more fully we live into the righteousness that you have for us, that we would be a blessing uh, and not a curse to the people around us. And so thank you, Lord, for uh, your word and the way that you've taught us to live. And we also thank you that when we fall short, um, when you see the evil that is in our lives, that because of Jesus Christ, um, because of the price that he paid, there is a way uh, for that to be redeemed. And so uh, we thank you that there is mercy and grace that is offered, that we are not dependent on just the way that we live Uh, to know you, that you have made a way um, by coming to us. And so we thank you for all these things and pray that you'd be with us as we go this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in response, let's stand and join in song once more.